0: Good morning. We live in a world where it doesn't take long to realize that it's fallen, where we suffer, where we are easily distracted by the many things that go on. A simple click of a button will remind us that there are many who are suffering injustices in this world as Christians, doing the right thing in the workplace, at school, with friends, will lead us to be rejected, will lead us to be, sometimes even, hurt. And in the midst of all of these things, it's so easy to forget the reason for which Christ has come, for which Christ has saved us. And this morning, we come to a passage of Scripture where Jesus tells us, a parable to teach his disciples that they ought always to pray and to not lose heart. And for that, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 18. And we're going to be reading the first eight verses. Luke 18, 1 through 8. And if you're using the Black Pew Bible in front of you, that's found on page 877. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth Jesus tells this parable to his disciples to teach them that they always they ought always to pray and not lose heart and in doing so he teaches them a few things he teaches them about God his care for his disciples he reminds them about God's promise to make things right And he calls them to do something until that happens, which is to be persistent in prayer and persevering in faith. Jesus understood the temptations that his disciples would come across during the time interval between his ascension and his return. A few weeks ago, we were reminded that the call to follow Jesus is a call to death. It's a call to die to oneself, it's a call to pick up one's cross and to follow Jesus, to follow in his footsteps. Jesus experienced as we saw suffering and rejection even to the point of death and death on a cross. And just as the world hated him and rejected him, he reminded us that we too would be rejected and would be hated. We would be persecuted. We would suffer injustices. Jesus knew that this injustice that would take place would lead many uh, many of his followers to be tempted, to be discouraged, to lose track of the purpose for their salvation. And to help his disciples fight these temptations, Jesus uses this parable to teach them why they should persist in prayer and why they are to persevere in faith. So this morning we're going to look at two points. The parable and the explanation of the parable first we find two characters we find a judge and a widow Jesus tells us that the judge was an evil judge and he was in a certain city in chronicles in second chronicles we find the description the job description of a judge and what was expected of him as a judge we read that a judge was called to be careful in his judgments because he was judging not for man, but for God. He was also to be careful in what he did and to let the fear of the Lord be upon him. But in this parable, we find that this judge was doing quite the opposite. We see that this judge neither feared God nor respected man, as we see there in verse 2, which is a way of seeing that this man was an evil man, this was a man who rejected God, rejected God's law. He neither loved God, as the first and greatest commandment says, to love God with all of our beings, and he neither loved his neighbor. He knew of the petitions that were brought before him by this widow, but he would ignore them. This was a man who only loved himself as we will see in verse 4. We're also told of a widow who lived in that same city who kept coming to this judge so that he would grant her justice. Now to be a widow in this time, and even today, meant that she was vulnerable. She was alone, without a husband, without someone to defend her, without someone to protect her. And being that the widow continually went to the judge, it's possible that she had no male representative, no one who could represent her before this judge, no one who could ask for justice on her behalf. We're told that she had a problem and that she was seeking justice and that she was that she would come to the judge over and over again. She had... Nothing that she could exchange in order to persuade the judge to act on her behalf other than persistence. And it was this persistence that led her to the hope that the judge would have mercy on her. She was determined to persist in her request. Now if you look there at verse 4, we read, For a while the judge refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. We see the reason or the motive for why this judge decided to grant this widow justice. It was for himself. The judge only loved himself. And he affirms what People knew of him as Jesus presents it in the parable. It says he neither feared God nor was he a respecter of people. We see that the reason that he answers is because he did not want to be beat down by her continual coming. This was a man who was moved more by self-interest rather than a love for God or a love for neighbor. And we see then that the widow's persistent produced results it moved the judge to act on her behalf jesus uses this parable to teach us something about the persistent widow and the result that it produces so now a question that comes to mind is how is this parable applicable to me to us what's so important about this parable Will we turn to our second point the interpretation or the purpose of the parable? There in verses six through eight we read, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will he not and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And in this parable, Jesus teaches us at least four things. The first thing that he teaches us is that, unlike the unrighteous judge, God is just. We find that this widow was experiencing some kind of injustice, For this is the very reason that she was continually coming to this judge. And we too in this world experience all kinds of injustices as part of the result of the fall. We're reminded in scripture that things weren't always this way. This isn't the way that God created the world to be. For the world was good and perfect by God's design. But the reason that the world is fallen and that we experience the, the effects of the fall today is because of our sin, because of our rejection of God. And because of the injustices that we now experience in this world, it can be tempting to give in to the lie that God is unjust. When we receive news that a loved one has been diagnosed with a terminal disease, Or illness. It's easy to believe that God is unjust. Because if he were loving. He would not have let X, Y, or Z happen. Or when we experience hardship. And we pray and we cry out. And we don't receive an answer. In the timeline that we want to receive the answer in. It's so easy to believe that God has forgotten us. And that he maybe doesn't want to answer our prayer. So in this world, we will suffer. We will suffer as a result of the effects of the fall. But we will also suffer for doing what's right, for living according to God's ways rather than this world. To be Christian, to be a follower of Christ, is to live by His words, by His commands. It's to live by truth. And to live this way has consequences. This world rejects truth. This world rejects Christ. And if we are striving to live in a way that follows Christ's footsteps, we too will be rejected. We too will experience these injustices. And this is something that we will see more and more of as time goes by. And we too will come across the temptations to believe that God is not hearing us or that God is unjust. And we must not give in to these temptations. Though not directly described as Father as Jesus does in Luke 12, we are given more insight into God's fatherly love for His own people. This good and loving father is not like the unrighteous judge. On the contrary, he is a good and loving father who delights to answer the prayers of his people, the prayers, the petitions, the pleas of his children. And what does the Bible tell us about God and his desire to respond to his people's prayers? we're reminded that God always hears His people's cries. For example, in Isaiah 65, 24, we read, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. We learn that God hears His people's prayers. And having been brought near by Christ, by His life, death, and resurrection. Now look the The dividing wall of hostility has been knocked down. Now that we have been accepted by God through Christ, we can come before Him in prayer, knowing that we do not pray in vain, knowing that the Lord hears our prayers. We can be easily discouraged when we pray and don't see God respond. And this can lead us to believe that He's not listening. In His letter to the Ephesians, Paul writes, And reminds believers that in Christ we have been reconciled to God. And through Him we have access to the Father. So we can come before God with boldness. Through our mediator Jesus Christ. The second thing that we learn is that we belong to God. If you have believed in Christ and repented of your sins. There is a promise that God has made that all who turn from their sin are given the privilege of becoming children of God, and therefore we belong to God. Unlike the widow who was helpless, who had no one to represent her, who had no one to fight for her, as God's children we are cared for because we belong to God. This world rejects us because we are not of it. And suffering in this world is part of what it means to be a Christian. Paul wrote to new believers to strengthen their souls and to encourage them to continue in their faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. find that in Acts 14.22. Paul taught that Christians are called to suffer. To Timothy he wrote, In his second letter, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But along with this teaching that Christians will suffer, we cannot say that we are not important to God. For we were reminded in Luke 12 of God's great love and His care for His people. We were reminded of how God cares for his creation. How God cares for the flowers of the fields, the birds of the air, and especially man who was made in his image and in his likeness. We are loved by God. We are loved in Christ. We are not like the widow. We also learned that God keeps his promises. The coming of our Lord, His return is an event that is sure to take place because the Lord Himself told us that it would happen. Jesus' first coming 2,000 years ago was to come and to deal with sin. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, He comforted His disciples saying, Do not let your hearts be troubled. If I go, I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and I will take you to myself. And He has given us His Spirit as a guarantee of His return and of our salvation. This coming will take place for the judgment of His enemies and the salvation of His people. So Jesus reminds His disciples that He will return he will return and he will will make all things right. The period during his ascension and return is one in which his disciples would be sent out to preach the gospel, to preach the good news. One in which his disciples would be called to be faithful until his return. This is why Jesus gave the parable uh, of the ten minas in chapter 19. Many people believed that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to establish His earthly kingdom. And so Jesus responded. As they heard Jesus say, He had just said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus proceeded to tell the people a parable. Because He was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So Jesus told this other parable in Luke chapter 19 to remind them that there would be a time period between his ascension and his return. That King Jesus would leave and that there would be a period of time where he would be absent before coming back to set up his kingdom. His servants were commissioned with the gospel. We have been commissioned with the gospel and we have been called to be faithful in his absence. Upon the king's return. We find in that parable. That those who rejected the king's message of peace. Those who rejected him. Are ultimately destroyed and defeated. And if we look at Luke 18.1 again. It says that Jesus told this parable to his disciples. To the, the, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. In other words, he tells them, even though you may be tempted to think that I have forgotten about you or that I'm running late, it's not true. I will return. Jesus will come back to bring justice for his kingdom is a kingdom of justice. His return will be a blessing to some and misery for others. It will be a blessing to all who have placed their hope in him. For this is the very reason that He came into this world, to seek and to save the lost. So if you're visiting us today and you're not a believer, we want you to know that the Bible teaches that we have all rebelled against God, our Creator. That we were created by Him and we were created for Him. But we have all chosen to rebel against God by living for ourselves by declaring our independence and becoming our own master, our own God. We've all rejected God, our good God, and the result is that we deserve His justice. We deserve for God to do what is right. And what is right is for God to give each person who has rebelled against Him, who has sinned, what is right is for Him to give them the penalty For their rebellion, for our rebellion which is death, which is to be eternally separated from Him for an eternity so we must understand this if we are to understand and embrace the good news of the gospel which is that God the Father sent His Son Jesus Christ into this world to seek and to save all who would repent and believe in Him and place their trust in Him You see, Jesus, as we've been learning here in the Gospel of Luke, willingly came into this world and lived the life that was expected of each and every one of us. And then willingly gave His life on the cross to satisfy the penalty that each one of our sins deserves. So that all who turn from their sins and turn to Him would be forgiven. This is how justice can be made on behalf of those who trust Christ. His debt covers His followers, His death covers His followers' death. We can be legally forgiven and treated as righteous, not because of the things that we do, but because of Christ's life, His death, and His resurrection. But for all who reject God's offer, justice is pending. And He has promised to come back and to make all things right again, to repay each one according to His own deeds. And so, friend, God calls you to turn from your sin and to turn to Him, to repent, and to ask God for forgiveness, and He will forgive. Christian, Jesus tells His disciples that He will return and that He will make all things right again. He calls us to be hopeful, though it may seem like He has forgotten us. Though it may seem like He is not listening, this is not true. He is coming back. Meanwhile, He calls us to do two things. The third thing that we learn in this parable is that we are to persist in prayer and to persevere in faith. Until he returns, he calls us to persist in prayer and persevere in faith. And there is a relation between prayer and the life of faith. The way to prepare for his coming is by faith. And this takes place when one is saved. When one believes in Christ and turns from sin. Once a person has faith, a Christian is called to persevere in that faith. And we do that by persisting in prayer. You may ask, what am I supposed to pray for? On one occasion, Jesus' disciple asked Him to teach them how to pray. We read in Luke 11, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, Teach us to pray. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Jesus taught that this is the kind of prayer that his disciples are to imitate Prayers that seek the glory of God. Prayers that seek His kingdom here on earth. The focus of our prayer is to be first and foremost on God and His will, His glory, His kingdom. Notice that Jesus says, when you pray, ask for daily bread. Which we know that it is the Father's good pleasure to give us these things. To give us the food that we need. Because He is not an evil Father. He is a good Father. One who delights in providing for His people. But what we must keep in mind is that asking for food in the prayer comes after we ask for God's will to be done. It is only then that we will be satisfied. For God's will is good for us. We find Jesus modeling this for us as He prayed at the Mount of Olives right before He was betrayed and arrested in Luke 22, 39-42. We find Jesus asking the Father that if it was His will to remove the cup of wrath that was waiting for Him. So we find a place in prayer for Jesus to ask about His current needs and desires. But notice that the priority of Jesus' prayer was to lay down His own desire and He asks for them to be done according to the Father's good will. And He says there in 42, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So what are we to pray for then? We are to pray for that which glorifies God. We are to pray for the things that are taking place in our lives. We are to pray that what we experience would be aligned to God's will, regardless of what happens. Knowing that everything that happens in this world is filtered through God's hands. And the sufferings that we experience, God allows for our good and for His glory. To help us to grow in sanctification. To grow in our Christ-likeness. That nothing in this world happens on accident or catches God off guard. We are to pray for the things that are taking place in God's kingdom. We are to pray that the gospel would go out and that many would come to hear the gospel and be saved. We are to pray for ourselves, for what happens to us, but we are to do so in light of who God is and what will bring Him glory. We're to not lose sight of Him. We're we're to not lose sight of His glory and His kingdom. We're to pray for the universal church, those that are all over the world who are suffering and being martyred for Christ's sake. We could be praying for their boldness that the Spirit would bring to mind The things that he has taught them so that in the midst of martyrdom, in the midst of being persecuted, that they would be bold in proclaiming the gospel and bringing God glory. As we pray for the things that are here here, taking place here and now, we must do so in light of eternity. Remembering that this world is not our home. Jesus has promised to return and to come for us and to make all things right. And we have confidence in our prayers, as John reminds us. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. As we pray in this way, God will respond. And there's always room for us to grow in our prayer life. How can we do that? How can we learn to pray? Because I'm sure we can all identify with the disciple that asked Jesus. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Some practical ways to do that is to pay attention to the way that other Christians pray, other mature Christians. And there are many opportunities for that in the church, in our service, as a service leader offers prayers of praise or prayers of confession. as our pastor or, or the service leader prays during the pastoral prayer, take note of the way that these men pray. You can also join us for our Sunday evening service, which takes place in the first evening of, uh, first Sunday evening of every month, where we intentionally set time aside to pray for the needs of the church. We can also meet up with other Christians throughout the week to pray for one another, and we can pay attention to how others pray. We can also turn to good resources that can help us grow in our prayer life. And a good resource that I highly recommend is D.A. Carson's A Call to Spiritual Reformation, or the most recent version, um, Praying with Paul. It's a great book that will walk you through the prayers of Paul and the priorities that he had in his prayer life. And so how are we to pray? We are to pray like the widow. We are to be persistent, coming to the Lord in prayer, knowing that He desires to answer our prayers. And as God responds, He will strengthen our faith. As we see the responses to our prayers, our faith will increase because we will see that God answers. And this will help us to persevere in the faith. Now, can God provide for our needs without us coming to Him in prayer? Yes, He can. And I'm sure that God has provided for your needs many times without you being faithful in prayer, as He's done in my life. (coughs) But we have to understand that it has pleased God to invite us to come to Him in prayer, so that we would grow in our dependence of Him, and so that we would see Him at work in His time, And as He answers prayer, our prayers, in turn this increases our faith. We are also called to pray for His return. The Lord has promised to return and He will do so. And as we pray for His return, it will help us to live in such a way that we remember that He is coming back. Remember that suffering is part of the Christian experience because it shows that we are not of this world. It confirms that we belong to Him. Peter wrote, But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. As we endure, we are to pray and long for Christ's return. This will transform the way that we go about our daily lives, as we wait in expectancy for Him. It will grow us in our trust and in our love for God. As we do this, we'll show that we are looking forward for His full and consummated kingdom and that we are not comfortable living in this fallen and broken world. Remember that we are not of this world We are simply sojourners and exiles in it. Call to live in faithfulness to God. Call to share the gospel to the watching world. To all who would hear warning that justice is coming. That Christ will return and he will set all things right again. And so in conclusion... We are to be encouraged that nothing that we experience in this world is in vain. That Jesus warned us that there would be a time between His ascension and His return where we would experience injustices. The Lord allows it and wills it to mold us into the image of Christ, to sanctify us, to grow us in our trust, and to glorify Him. Jesus reminds us not to despair because God is just. We belong to Him. We are cared for. And He will make all things right again at His return. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father come before you and we thank you that you are a God who cares for your people. We thank you that you are involved in everything that takes place in our lives and that there is nothing that happens that you are not aware of, that you do not care for. We thank you that you show your greatest care for us by sending Your Son into this world to seek and to save us. We thank You that You have, through different people, shared the Gospel through which You've saved us. And it is now through Your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can come before You in prayer to pray about the things that we experience in this world. Father, we confess that it's so easy for us to not persist in prayer. It is easy for us to start praying about petitions that we have and to give up along the way. We confess that it's easy for us to believe the lie that you don't listen, that you won't answer. But we praise you, that you have revealed in your word that you are a God who listens and that you are a God who answers according to your will and in your time. And we thank you that you use even the injustices in this world to help us grow in our love for you in our in our holiness, in our sanctification. We thank you, Lord, that you use these things for your glory. We pray that you would increase our desire to pray. We pray that you would increase our desire to persist coming to you, trusting you, knowing that you hear and that you care. Father, we pray for those around the world that are suffering. We pray, Lord, that you would give them boldness, that you would, as you have said, not to prepare beforehand when brought before others, that we would be trusting that you would come, that you would remind us by your Spirit of the truths that you've taught us in your Word, that your wisdom would be displayed and shown so much so that you would be glorified and that you would bring about the effect that that you've set your Word out to have. Lord, we thank You that in Your Son, Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness for being doubtful in our prayers. And we thank You that it is through Him that we are made right and made just. And it is because of Him that when You come to execute justice, that we are found in Him. And that we can stand before You knowing that our sins have been covered because of the life of Jesus. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.